0: Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions.
1: Hey guys, this is David calling from Chicago, and I wanted to get your opinion on ABBV. I'm thinking about maybe putting a trailing stop on it just because I don't want to lose the profits that I've already gotten. So, anyway, your thoughts be appreciated. Thank you.
0: And provides unbiased answers.
1: Our value is closer to 100 dollars 30 dollars per share now it's at 156 so i think it's modestly overvalued
0: invest talk over 38 million downloads and counting across america and around the world your participation makes it unique 88899 chart this podcast is produced by KPP
2: Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
1: Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our March 16th, 2022 edition of Invest Talk. I am Justin Klein, and I look forward to this hour with you hearing your finance and investment questions, giving you my unbiased answers and trying to give you the perspective and the facts that are needed in order to, in order to help you make good financial decisions. Now, obviously markets are volatile and you need to be considering both short, medium and long-term goals. And that means considering the odds of what happens with different asset classes over the short, medium, and long term. And you want to match your investments with your time horizon that you're you have that money for. So that's why it's important to think in different time frames. And today was Fed Day, and Fed day typically brings short to medium-term market reactions, market trajectories. And that can be entirely different than longer-term market trajectories. You have to understand, understand that. And the volatility that will come over those various time frames. So that's what I'm going to help you do today is to unpack all of the relevant data, the relevant perspective that will guide you to a better portfolio, better financial decisions overall. Now on this podcast, I'm gonna operate with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success, which means that no matter what I'm talking about, uh, the market as a whole, the Fed uh, explaining a process of analysis, discussing a stock. I'm here to present all without bias, just giving the facts. As I see them, I have a lot of data in front of me. And hopefully I can give you uh, a lot of that, as well as, like I said, 20 plus years of investment experience that will will help guide you. So you can interact with me during our live stream program from four to five Pacific time. Or if you're listening after hours, no big deal. That number is always the same. Eight 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 ninety nine. Chart. You can call and leave your message on our InvestDoc Voice Bank. But let's get to our first listener question now. Our friend Emilius from San Francisco wants to talk about Micron. How are
2: you, Justin? I'm sorry I can't call you guys more often, man. I'm always slammed at work.
1: <laughs> no problem. No problem. Well, glad you got through. Now, and uh, you're looking to buy Micron?
2: Yeah, I was looking for a, a, you know to open a position. I don't have any. I just. Should I, you think it's a good starting point? You like the company, do I like keep it long-term? That's my philosophy.
1: Yeah, so so Micron is definitely cheap, especially if you're looking at forward earnings of $12.43 expected next year. And it's about an $80 stock. So, seven, eight times forward earnings, that's pretty cheap. And it's growing revenues at 33% earnings up 177%. But you have to understand too, that this is a company that historically has a very volatile earnings picture. So you're you're never going to extrapolate that level of of earnings longer term uh, because it's it's always inconsistent. You know, 2020 made $2.83. They made almost $12 in 2018, made $6 in 2021, $9 uh, last year. So it's a really—I do not say all over the place because it's all positive. It's just volatile, and so you—you you almost want to—you always want—you kind of want to average that out over a period of time and know what you're you're, you're paying. Um, and even if you do average it, I still think it is relatively inexpensive. I wouldn't say it's super cheap, um, but. From a technical perspective, it did retest the lows in October and made a higher low, which is good. And the last two days, very bullish reversal. So I'm going to give Micron a thumbs up. Uh, it's definitely one of the better chip makers out there. Most, One of the most consistent when it comes to profitability, clean balance sheet, strong cash flows, etc. So I'm going to give Micron a, a thumbs up. Thanks for the call, Emilius. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this question. What happens if your partner disagrees with your retirement plan? It's important to have pretty good idea of what retirement will look like before you actually hit your golden years. So we're going to look at that potential hiccup that a lot of couples face and just in general, how to think about your retirement years overall. Also, we're going to dig into the fed rate hike, what they said, what they signaled and what that will mean for markets. Then Western companies, they are pulling back from Russia. And this is about 30 years since the fall of the Soviet Union. And when McDonald's showed up there soon after, and there were huge lines, and it's been a interesting relationship between Western companies and and Moscow and and uh, and uh, Russian the Russian country, and we're going to look at what that could mean going forward. And then, lastly, food food uh, insecurities uh, that, are, that are that are going to start worldwide. Okay, so we're going to look at that. Now let's check out markets today. Pull this up here. the S and P up 95 points, a little over 2%. So nice follow through from yesterday. And we had an initial sell off on the fed announcement, but it soon reversed. And I think a lot of that had to do with the market initially read it as hawkish that they're going to continue to irate hikes and, and all of that. But in reality, it really wasn't any hot more hawkish than what they previously had signaled, especially if you look at the dot plots and, and kind of what their ex- expectation for monetary policy was over the next couple of years. It was pretty much bang in line. And so I think that was the market reaction overall was uh, was positive that the Fed isn't going to just just tie themselves to the wheel and head off a cliff. Right, they're not going to just say we're going to fight inflation at all costs, raise rates constantly, aggressively, and careen us in off a cliff into a, a financial crisis or a recession. They're going to be careful, and I think that was uh, that was the bullish uh, aspect of the market, and this is kind of what I expected. Uh, remember, the market is always about. Buying the rumor, sell the news or sell the rumor, buy the news. And I think that's what you saw over the past couple of weeks. Yes, Ukraine uh, and uh, higher commodity prices certainly had an impact. But I think a lot of the sell-off over the past few weeks was selling into the Fed announcement. And you had to sell the rumor by the news type of event today. And I think that's why you got a pretty sizable rally. And uh, I think it could last for uh, a little while especially if you continue to see energy prices kind of cool off a bit. Now, they're, they're certainly high. But if you look at where oil is, it's still hanging around that, that 100 mark, uh, not up into the 120s, 130s that you saw uh, early last week. So I think that is a positive overall, and in uh, Fed, that's not incrementally more hawkish. Now we have good news for Talk listeners that enjoy hearing unbiased answers to caller questions at a faster pace. We have just posted an all new February rapid fire hour. I answered 23 caller questions in just under an hour and it's available now as a free podcast download. And now the Invest Talk phone lines are open for you. So give me a call at 888-99-SHARK.
0: Our objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck, because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi Justin, this is Dave in Austin, Texas. I'd like to know what you think about air products and chemicals, ticker APD. The stock just keeps falling. But it seems to be a buy and outperform rated by the raiders. So, what can you tell me about the future of APD?
1: All right, looking at Air product, and Chemicals. Well, the first thing is, don't listen to the the raiders or whatever you whatever you called them. Uh, you don't you don't want to you don't want to think about it in that terms uh, in those terms. Remember the. Analysts on wall street, they're always wrong, uh, when it comes to buy and sell recommendations. Now they're about as good as you're going to get when you're looking at earnings expectations. Now they they're wrong. And especially the farther out their their estimates are, uh, in time, those, those are, are most wrong. The sooner the re, the, uh, expectation for earnings are then those tend to be most accurate because they're getting kind of a boots on the ground understanding of what's happening with the business because they're talking to CEO, they're talking to industry insiders, et cetera. So when it comes to earnings expectations, that's fine, but buy and sell recommendations. Remember there's conflicts. There's, there's a lot of issues there. So I wouldn't you be using those buy and sell recommendations. Okay. Now APD is coming down because it was trading at a pretty high multiple. And it was, uh, it was now it's trading at about, let's see, next year earnings of $11 and 20, 64 cents. So somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 times forward earnings. And let's take a look at some of the other, other multiples enterprise value, even now down to 13 times, which is good, but it was trading at about 18 times, which historically is very, very high. It's on the high end now it's back to the low teens, which is kind of the longer term average. Uh, And so I think it is now fairly valued. I don't think it is super cheap, but it is fairly valued. Now. Now, the good thing is historically, this is a very prof consistently profitable company with good cash flow, return equity over the last decade, kind of the mid to high teens, which is where you want it, at least uh, in that, in that high teen range. And so I'm gonna give this one a relative thumbs up. It is at some support here, right around the two fifteen to level. And so uh, I kind of, uh, I kind of, I like it now. I don't love it because, like I said, oh, just dropped my phone. <laughs> um, I like it, uh, but I don't love it yet. So um, yeah, it's at support, fairly valued, good company. I like it. Love it yet? All right, now focus point today is based on the story behind this question. What happens if your partner disagrees with your retirement plan? It's important to have an idea of what retirement could look like before you actually hit your golden years, and this is important for for everybody is to understand your spending habits. And in retirement, and your spending habits in retirement often differ greatly from your spending habits while you're working. And it can differ greatly between spouses. Some people want to travel the world, others want to stay close to home and spend time with family, doing hobbies, spending time with grandchildren. And those things often differ greatly in expenses and you need to know this, what the plan is so that you can find that right number to know how much money you need to spend each year to ensure that you can stay afloat, okay? So all of this is important to uh, understand and make. And after the break, I'm going to get to this a little bit more, get a little bit more in depth. Now we're heading into a break, and I'm here welcoming your calls at eight 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 ninety nine chart.
0: This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve? financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART.
1: Before the break, I was touching a bit on knowing your number, knowing exactly what you need in retirement each year to make sure you can Make it for the rest of your life. and But sometimes, every spouse has different goals. And there can be disagreements on where to travel, how often to travel, whether to relocate your home or to stay where you're at, to downsize potentially. Some want to, some don't. Steve's the example. He, him, him and his wife, They uh, he wants to downsize. His wife does not. And so wife wins. Um, but you know, you, 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 did some grand things. Some want to retire earlier. Some want to retire later, but the key is to be honest about this and transparent and build the goals into your budgets. If you don't, it can lead to tensions and, and potentially debt because you don't plan for what is, uh, what, what each of you want. And that can mean still doing what you want. Doesn't mean you can't do it. And maybe you don't do it with your spouse. Maybe you travel more with your adult children, friends, cousins, siblings. Maybe your spouse doesn't golf. You do that with somebody else. Okay. And so it's very important to compromise and stay committed to setting those goals and sticking to them. And once again, being transparent before you actually get there so you can develop a good financial plan. Something we do for clients is lay out. Okay. What are your expected expenses in retirement? Sometimes it's a lot higher. Sometimes it's a lot lower. Sometimes it's about the same, but knowing your lifestyle choices for both of you is extremely important in that process. Let's go talk to Adam in Kentucky. He wants to talk about portfolio management.
0: Hey, Justin, how are you? Great, great. I have a question. Uh, Due to the unfortunate passing of a relative recently, I inherited a large position in Brown Foreman, ticker symbol BF.B. And uh, my average cost of inheritance is 69 a share. I've already lost nearly 10% of that. Just kind of want to get your outlook on that stock going forward. Is it something I should close the position or hang in there? And uh, I'll hang up and listen for your answers.
1: All right. All right. Brown Foreman. Now, oh, this is a this is an alcohol company. If I can pull this up here. There we go. They manufacture and distribute Jack Daniels, Finlandia. What are the other other brands, old Forester, Woodford reserve, some bourbons. Uh, so it's, it's an alcohol company and it's a consistent, low growth, very low growth business. They've kind of earned the same amount of money for the past five years. So it's should trade at a pretty low multiple. Unfortunately, it really doesn't. Um, so. That worries me a bit. Let me let me look at this. Let me look at this a little deeper. I know this this is an odd one. Yeah, free cash flow has grown though. So earnings per share this is a good example. You look at earnings per share, relatively flat, but free cash flow has grown. Free cash flow has grown. They've bought back shares, etc. So I like actually the growth is is pretty decent. The profitability, return equity over the past decade, thirty something percent on average. Very very good. Uh, let me look at the technicals here, definitely in a downtrend, but into some major support right around $62. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. It's not expensive based on cash flows, based on cash flows. Uh, it's not cheap, but it's not expensive. Uh, technically it's weak, but it's at support. And I would look at it in in a broader sense of your overall portfolio. Now that you've inherited it, you don't want to look at it as a one-off asset. It's now part of your total assets and you want to make sure that it's not too big a percentage of overall assets that happens sometimes, right? You're whoever passed. They might've been small for them, but it was big for you and you want to right size that. Make sure it's five percent or less of your overall liquid net worth. And what other positions within the alcohol industry, uh, consumer staples? Because this would be considered a consumer staple. You know, do you have? And so start to look at it in that sense. Okay, um, but it's a good company, consistent cash flows, consistent profitability, uh, about fairly valued. Now, the next and best talk, the story behind this question, what does the Fed rate hike mean for borrowers, savers, and homeowners? The cumulative effect of rate hikes is what is really going to have an impact on the economy and household budgets. That story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love,
0: You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart.
1: Let's go to Al in the Bay Area looking at Zim Integrated Shipping Services. Do you own it or looking to buy it?
3: I'm looking to buy it. i like to know your outlook. I appreciate your great show.
1: No problem. Well, you're probably looking at that dividend, 22%. Is that a big driver?
3: <laughs> yeah, well, and also I noticed that is uh moving really nicely. I was wondering if it's for real or what's your opinion about this?
1: Uh, yeah, well, this is... Months. Yeah, this is a an Israeli based asset light container liner shipping company. So it provides basically third party uh, logistics. And the question is, how sustainable is the earnings? Last year, they made $38.60 a share that's up from $4.30 in 2020. They lost money in 2019, as well as 2018. This year, it's supposed to make close to last year's number $37.51. But next year down 62% to $14.37. So analysts aren't quite as optimistic that those shipping rates will stay as high. So this is really just a play on how tight will the shipping container market remain? Will there still be these type of prices? Two, three years from now, odds are probably they'll be lower. Now, how much lower, modestly, lower, dramatically lower. It's extremely hard to say. Uh, so I wouldn't expect the dividend. Let's just say that don't expect that dividend to remain at that level, longer term, remember dividends are not sacrosanct. They can be cut at any time. And if earnings go, you know, and they're making $39 a share, $2 and 50 cents. Not that's not hard to pay. It's pretty easy, but at. The current levels or you know, if it, if it goes down, excuse me, if earnings go down, they'll, they'll quickly cut uh, that dividend. And they've only paid that dividend twice, $2 uh, in, let's see, August of last year, and then 250 recently. So yeah, so if you look, if you extrapolate that out, say $10 per share, uh, that's a pretty nice yield, but it's probably not going to remain that high. Um, now, technically it's strong but this will reverse rather quickly if the rates reverse um, is this is the name you'd want to keep an eye on for that. Um, so technically strong, but don't expect a dividend to sustain. Now let's look at an iTunes review question. Ramon says, I'm looking to get into copper stocks. What do you think about Southern copper SCCO versus Anglo American NGL O Y, which is, uh, an ADR and Anglo American. I believe they are out of South Africa, no, the UK, excuse me, the UK. And if I remember right, let me pull this up here. I believe they are more diversified. Yeah. So they, they have copper, also coal and iron ore. They also have some platinum exposure as well, as well as palladium. They supply just over twenty percent of the world's palladium supply. So, uh, excuse me, yeah, palladium, a third of the world's platinum supply. So, more tied to precious metals. Okay, it owns eighty-five percent of De Beers, the world's largest supplier and marketer of of, of gems and diamonds. So with Anglo, you get a lot more diversification. Do you want diversification or do you want a pure play? Southern copper is our favorite copper play. And it's well diversified in the Americas. And we like that. It's not caught up in in Europe. So that's a positive. And it is, it is diversified a bit, but it's mainly a copper producer. So if I'm picking one or the other, I'm picking Southern copper. Uh, we think it's a better value and we like its diversity among the metals. Um, and it is more of a pure play copper producer. Thanks for the review. Now here's another one HTX says, what do you think about investing in agricultural agriculture outside of publicly traded stock equities? I've I've specifically looked at a company called farmland LP. Their second fund was actually an LLC, uh, which would, which would you avoid, which avoids some tax headaches. That's true. Does something like this make sense as a form of diversification or are there hidden risks that come in mind? Yes, you are a limited partner means you don't have control, means you have to do due diligence. I don't see a reason why you want to do this. There are a lot of great opportunities, especially after years and years and years of commodities underperforming. Yes, they have started to outperform, but we're in the early innings. There are still a lot of great commodity producers in the ag space that still remain relatively cheap, they're liquid, and you don't have the risks of a limited partnership. Remember you're the limited partner. You do not, you do not have control. It is not uncommon for frauds, for misappropriation of funds. It happens all the time in that space, especially in unlisted securities. So I see no reason to take that extra risk. uh, Unless you do the due diligence, you have the ability, you really understand the space well, uh, you'd have to be an expert uh, for me to get into something like that. Now we've started the third trading week of March. So 2022 is moving right along just a handful of days left in the quarter. Let me remind you that here on Invest talk and at our company KPP financial, we operate with the same philosophy, which is independent thinking and shared success. So if you need help understanding your risk level, your strategy, whether it's set up for success in this market, we'll encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our company KPP financial. For a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting. Just send us a message through InvestTalk.com or call our office at 800 557 5461 We'd love to help you in any way. Now, next up, we will go back to the Invest Voice Bank. Remember the phone lines never close at 888-99 chart.
0: Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. And Steve and Justin thank you for your loyalty. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Eight 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 ninety nine chart
1: Hey guys, this is David calling from Chicago, and I wanted to
0: get your opinion on AbbVie, A-B-B-V. I bought this back at 98, and uh, in a time when uh, most of my value stocks, I've got mostly individual value stocks in my portfolio, a lot of them have been getting punished the last couple of weeks, but not ABV, it keeps going up. And um, I'm thinking about maybe putting a trailing stop on it just because I don't want to lose the profits that I've already gotten. So anyway, your thoughts would be appreciated. Thank you.
1: All right, looking at abV and you're right. The relative strength is very strong. 96, 96 means outperformed. 96% of companies out there over the past year. And it's near its 52-week high, only 0.2% off its 52-week high. Now, earnings expectations for next year are going to be down 13%. So that's, that's the worry here, is that it, it's already kind of Its growth has been slowing, especially the last couple of quarters, only 7% growth last quarter, 11% the quarter before, whereas a year ago, revenue growth growth was 59%, okay? So that means it should expect a a lower multiple, uh, especially if you have shrinking earnings going forward. So the forward PE of about 13, I think is... Maybe about in line, maybe slightly high. Um, it's, a, it's a good company, but our value is closer to $130 per share. Now it's at 156 So I think it's modestly overvalued. Uh, but once again, it's a good company. Good cash flows, $22 billion free cash flow, trailing 12 months. So I would put a trailing stop on it. That's simple. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart 8992 4278. We have about 10 minutes left in the show. So get your call in now. Now let's touch on the Fed meeting and their announcement today. The first quarter point rate hike since 2018. And they have penciled in about six more by year end. And the medium projection show the rates rising to about two and three quarters percent by the end of 2023, which would be the highest since 2008. Now they did touch a bit on how price stability is kind of getting away from them a bit. They also touched on the tight labor market and they think it is at unhealthy levels, meaning they have room for the economy to weaken through rate hikes, and they'll be fine with that. Now, last week, they ended their bond buying program. And the next question is, how did they shrink their $9 trillion portfolio? And their main hint was to let it run off, let maturing securities mature and not replace them as opposed to actively selling into the market. Now they still haven't announced that. And I think that's going to be the main focus of the market going forward, not about whether they're going to raise a quarter point next time or not, or whether it's gonna be half a point, it's gonna be far more about that balance sheet and how much that will impact liquidity and financial stability. Now, inflation in January is about 6.1% year over year, core inflation at about 5.2, but clearly that's set to accelerate a bit with higher commodity prices, energy prices. Most officials now see by year end, about 4.1% in uh, inflation, as opposed to in December, they expected to be by the year-end 2.7 percent. So inflation expectations, not only in the market but by the Fed, are going higher. Unemployment rates down to 3.8 percent as of February, and annual wage growth is near its highest pace in in years. So seven officials projected the Fed will need to raise rates above 2% by year end, which means that at some point they might have to raise half a, half a point instead of just a quarter point. So the questions are how quickly do they need to raise those rates uh, to neutral that neither speeds up or slows the economy? Has that neutral rate increased because of higher inflation And third, if and when will the Fed need to raise rates above neutral to really slow the growth? So what is that level at? And I don't think the Fed knows that yet. But they do estimate it between 2 and 3%. That's what they're estimating it to be. Is that accurate? You only know when you see economic activity slow. And I think you're already seeing that a bit. So it'll be very interesting to see what their expect or what, what economic numbers will come in between now and their next Fed. Remember remember they meet between every six weeks. So around the beginning of May, that'll be their next meeting and we'll know a lot more with a lot more data. then. Now let's go to an iTunes review question. Dane says, what do you guys think of Google as a five to 10 year investment P ratio seems decent? Well, Google, trading about twenty six times, which is a premium to the market, and it's certainly a well run company, good cash flow. I think the biggest issue with Google and a lot of the big tech names is regulatory. How will regulators address their monopolies in in various uh, areas? and data privacy and what how, how might that shift so that's your biggest risk you're paying a, a premium you probably should for the quality of the business but you do have that regulatory risk so if regulator regulators don't kind of crack down on the ability of google to utilize customer data user data I think five to 10 years from now, it'll be good, but there is high regulatory risk here. uh, And you've seen that uh, continue to escalate with uh, Lena Khan being the head of the FTC. And she's more hawkish towards these big tech players and their ability to do acquire new companies has been neutered in a lot of ways, ways ways as well. So those are the pros and cons, uh, but it's a decent risk reward here. We're heading to a break, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART.
0: In today's market, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance because it can help you achieve financial freedom. This is Invest Talk, and you've come to the right place. Justin Klein is here now taking your calls live. So step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART.
2: Hey, this is Justin from San Antonio. I had a question about regional banks. mentioned a few times on the podcast that this is a pretty good place to be with the interest rates soon to be rising. And with the geopolitical situation going on, they got hammered pretty good today along with the whole financial sector. And it seems regional banks shouldn't be quite as affected, but they kind of came down. I'm wondering if I should just step aside for the time being. What are your thoughts, short and medium term? as these issues are, are going on till they get resolved. I have FLIC as well as a index KRE. Any insight on this would be greatly appreciated. Thank you guys.
1: All right, you obviously left that message probably a week ago or so, and it did get uh, hammered, but uh, kind of has made a full uh, trip back up to where it fell when the whole Ukraine crisis kind of kicked off. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with uh, the fact that interest rates are up and uh, yields, uh, yeah, yields, yields are just higher. And so that's once again, good for banks. Now, I will say that I've been saying this for months now, but that was in an accelerating economic environment. So, When you have pressure from higher energy prices, higher commodity prices on the consumer, that's going to raise the risk of more defaults, slower economy, slower consumer spending. You've seen that recently in the numbers. And so I have to say that I'm no longer entirely bullish on the space now am I bearish no i'm, I'm probably neutral let's say i'm neutral because you have some tailwinds of higher rates the the yield spread has come down from early last year so from that picture it's not as uh, robust but it's better than a lot of the financials out there um so it's still my favorite within the financial space, but I don't love uh, these type of companies in a decelerating economic environment. So remember, you always have to adjust your strategy, adjust adjust your viewpoint on particular sectors based on the underlying economic environment. And so we've changed a lot over the past three to six months and you have to change your view. Now, let's fit in one more caller question, this time from Fresno, California, looking at Enbridge.
0: Hi, this is Roy, and I'm calling from Fresno, California. I would like your take on the stock ENB is the symbol. That's Enbridge Energy. And I would like to know, at current prices, if you consider a buy, hold, or sell. Thank you, and I'll listen to the answer on your podcast.
1: All right, looking at Enbridge, this is a Canadian company, and they distribute gas to 3.8 million customers in Ontario, Quebec, and New Brunswick. So it is in the oil and gas space, but also the utility space. It does have a bit of exposure to natural gas pipelines, oil sand pipelines, so it's a bit of a hybrid, even though it's Canadian's largest natural gas distribution company and utility. And it does have a renewable portfolio focused on onshore and offshore wind projects. So it's fairly well diversified. So I like that 6.2% yield. Very good. And I think that yield is sustainable, although their pay ratio is pretty high and their debt ratio is pretty high. But their business is consistent utility. And clearly with higher oil prices, they're going to earn more from their their pipelines because there to be more volume coming from those pipelines. So I like Enbridge. Now, is it the best way to play the oil and gas space? Absolutely not. But if you're looking for a diversified energy play that pays a nice solid 6.2% dividend that looks fairly safe, this would be a solid name for that. To the call. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program, Steve Peasley, and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads that you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes. And if you leave a question with your rating, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue
2: inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically.